Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original motion picture soundtrack from 1978. Paul, I understand that Jimi Hendrix covered Sgt. Pepper's mm. just a couple of days after it came out. Yeah. Um, that's ballsy, for one thing. That was very Hume. ballsy, yeah. Well, did you know he was going to... Were you there, for one thing? I was there, yeah. It was at the Savile Theatre in London. And um, I was there, Clapton was there, Townsend was there. We'd, like, all come to see this new guitar god. And, yeah, we'd released Sergeant Pepper on the Friday. Two days later, on the Sunday, he'd learned it and he played it. That was Sir Paul McCartney on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert in 2019. That's an incredibly fast turnaround for a cover to be played, especially as your opening song and in front of the people who wrote it. That speaks to the talent of Jimi Hendrix, but it also speaks to the legend of Sgt. Pepper. The Beatles had officially stopped touring for good in late summer of 1966. For the first time, they took some time off. This led to rumors of their breakup, but in reality, they were on their way to redefining popular music. Again. They spent four months and $75,000 making the Sgt. Pepper album. Unheard of in those days. Some of their early records had been recorded in one day. Upon its release, Sgt. Pepper sold 250,000 copies in the first week in just the UK alone. By late August, it had sold 2.5 million in the US. It was number one on the UK charts for 27 consecutive weeks, and in America, it was number one for 15 weeks. It would go on to win six Grammys in 1968. Sgt. Pepper is many things. It's considered to be one of the first concept albums, a precursor to prog rock, one of the first art rock albums, and the start of the album era. Rolling Stone called it the greatest album of all time, and the Library of Congress placed Sgt. Pepper in the National Recording Registry as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. The accolades go on and on, and with accolades comes tribute. In November of 1974, an off-Broadway production entitled Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on the Road opened at the Beacon Theater in New York. The show had no involvement from the Beatles other than the use of songs mostly from their Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road albums. Billy Shears, the character played by Ringo Starr, who sang With a Little Help From My Friends on the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper, is the main character here. A musician who marries his girlfriend, Strawberry Fields, and then Billy becomes famous with the help of a motorcycle gang meant to represent the music industry called Maxwell's Silver Hammermen. 
The show starred David Patrick Kelly from The Warriors, Elena Reed from Sesame Street and later 227, and in the Billy Shears role, Ted Neely, reuniting with director Tom O'Horgan. They worked together on both the Broadway productions of Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. In the 2009 book, The Theater Will Rock, The History of the Rock Musical, Tom O'Horgan said, quote, We made a script of the songs, and we didn't add additional dialogue or change the lyrics. Maybe we changed genders or something, but basically it was the songs with the original orchestrations. We were just trying to use this music in a different way. End quote. Audiences were initially excited. Even John Lennon attended the show's opening night but the excitement didn't last long. The critics weren't kind, and audiences dwindled quickly. The show closed after 66 performances. But the show's producer, Robert Stigwood, wasn't giving up on the idea. Stigwood had found lots of success in recent years in several different ways. He first found success as the manager of the late 60s supergroup Cream. Then in 1973, he formed the Robert Stigwood Organization, a.k.a. RSO Records. RSO became one of the most financially successful labels of the 70s with the release of the soundtracks for both Saturday Night Fever and Grease, both films that Stigwood also produced. And a common factor in both of those films was Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees, and Stigwood also managed the Bee Gees. Gibb had written the title track for the Grease film, and the Bee Gees had six songs on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Those two soundtracks combined sold over 70 million copies worldwide. So with his recent film and soundtrack success, Stigwood decided to do a loose adaptation of the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on the Road show as a feature-length film. And he got his biggest stars, the Bee Gees, to not only take part in the soundtrack, but to star in the film. The three Gibb brothers would play the Henderson brothers, who were the best friends of Sgt. Pepper's grandson, Billy Shears, played by Peter Frampton. Frampton was hot off of his number one album, Frampton Comes Alive, from two years prior. Frampton Comes Alive was the best-selling album of 1976, with over 8 million albums sold in the U.S. alone, and it's one of the best-selling live albums of all time. Come on! Let's do it again! With this lineup, plus the music of the Beatles, it seemed like it couldn't fail. Not to mention all of the other stars of the 70s that were set to appear in the film. Oh, and to produce the soundtrack... They even got the Beatles producer himself, Sir George Martin. To direct the film, Stigwood had approached Michael Schultz. At that point, Schultz was best known for directing the films Cooley High and Car Wash. Schultz thought that the Sgt. Pepper movie seemed like a bad idea. But the last time Stigwood had come to him with an idea for a film was Grease, and he thought that was a bad idea and turned it down. This time, he went against his instinct and said yes. With the Sgt. Pepper movie, Schultz would have the largest budget ever for an African-American film director to that date. In September of 1977, 
The Bee Gees, Peter Frampton, and Sir George Martin began work on the film's soundtrack. The movie was filmed between October and December of 1977, and was given a release date of July 21st, 1978. Want more Bizarre Albums? Sign up at patreon.com slash bizarrealbums to get weekly bonus episodes of the new companion show, B-Sides. Go a little deeper on each album every week on B-Sides. That's patreon.com slash bizarrealbums. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. Rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Just a few days prior to the film's release, on July 17, 1978, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original motion picture soundtrack, was released on RSO Records. Before diving in here, let me say... This is another double album, so this is going to be another two-part episode. This episode will focus on sides A and B, and part two will drop this Thursday, April 16th. Alright, so let's get to it. The soundtrack kicks off the only way it can, with the title track, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Performed by the Bee Gees, the introduction verse features Paul Nicholas. Nicholas played the role of the band's business manager, and Billy Shears' stepbrother, Dougie Shears. He's one of the few characters in the movie that's not directly named after a Beatles song. I don't know of any Beatles songs with a Dougie. Dougie! Prior to the film, Nicholas was perhaps best known for his role as Cousin Kevin in the film version of The Who's 1975 rock opera, Tommy, also produced by Robert Stigwood. That song famously introduces Billy Shears to sing with a little help from my friends. Prior to this film, that song had a rare distinction. One of the cover versions was actually more successful than the Beatles version, which was originally sung by Ringo Starr. I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. Joe Cocker had gone to number one in the UK with his cover of the song in 1968. His version also appeared in the Woodstock movie, and in 1988, it became the theme song for the ABC coming-of-age drama series The Wonder Years. But in 1978, 
Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees contributed their collaboration to the film. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out of key I get by with a little help from my friends I get high with a little help from my friends Yeah, gonna try with a little help from my friends The film's opening credits read Introducing Sandy Farina as Strawberry Fields. This is the only film credit for Farina, though she did appear on some soundtracks to other films in later years, such as The Toxic Avenger. A year after the Sgt. Pepper film, she wrote the top 10 adult contemporary hit for Barbara Streisand, Kiss Me in the Rain. Just as she was in the Broadway show, the character of Strawberry Fields is the girlfriend of Billy Shears. Here, she sings the soundtrack's only non-Lennon and McCartney song, the George Harrison penned Here Comes the Sun. And this version features some incredible bass playing. There are three credited bassists on the album, and my guess here is that this is Wilbur Bascom. I may be saying his name wrong, but he was known for his work with James Brown and George Benson, just to name a few. And if anybody knows for sure who this bassist is, please let me know. Here Comes the Sun had originally appeared on Abbey Road. The first song they recorded for Abbey Road was I Want You, parentheses, She's So Heavy, but that was also one of the last ones to be finished. They finished the song just over a month before the album's release. It was August 20th, 1969, and it would be the last time all four Beatles were in the studio together. The soundtrack version is another Bee Gees track, this time featuring Diane Steinberg, Stargard, Paul Nicholas, and Donald Pleasance, an actor who would earn widespread recognition just three months later for his role as Dr. Samuel Loomis in Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. This is Pleasance's only appearance on the soundtrack. In the film's narrative voiceover, his character is referred to as B.D. Hoffler, but for some reason, in the film's credits and publicity materials, he's credited as B.D. Brockhurst. I want you. I want you so badly. I want you. I want you so bad. It's driving me mad. It's driving me mad. Side B kicks off with the Bee Gees, Frampton, and Paul Nicholas tackling Good Morning, Good Morning. And I'm happy to report, after being MIA for several episodes, the Tower of Power horns are back to play on this one. 
to save his life, call his wife in. Nothing to say but what a day, how's your boy been? Nothing to do, it's up to you. I've got nothing to say but it's okay. Another big get for this album's recording was Jeff Emmerich, the sound engineer who had worked with Sir George Martin and the Beatles on their Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Abbey Road albums. Sir George Martin told Mojo in 2007, quote, He brought a new kind of mind to the recordings, always suggesting sonic ideas, different kinds of reverb, what we could do with the voices. He was quite prepared to break the rules, end quote. For She's Leaving Home? It appears to be a combination of sounds from Emmerich and the Bee Gees, as the liner notes credit vocals for special effects on She's Leaving Home by the Bee Gees. Robin Gibb, the younger brother of Barry Gibb and fraternal twin of Maurice, or as they say, Morris, is credited for a cover of Oh Darling. It's one of four singles released from the film, and it was Robin's fourth ever solo single. It peaked at number 15 on the Billboard Singles Chart and number 22 on the Adult Contemporary Charts. It would be his highest charting solo single in the U.S., Probably the other biggest get for the film was Steve Martin. Already a successful stand-up comic, his appearances on Saturday Night Live propelled him even further into the spotlight. His second comedy album, A Wild and Crazy Guy, was also released in 1978 and reached number two on the Billboard 200 album chart. Not the comedy charts, number two on the main Billboard chart. That's how huge Steve Martin was in 1978. He has one scene in this movie playing Dr. Maxwell Edison performing Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Maxwell Edison majoring in medicine calls her on the phone. Can I take you out to the picture show? Oh, oh, oh. But as she's getting ready to go, a knock comes on the door. Bang, bang, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. When the Beatles were recording Abbey Road, they knew it was likely their final album, and Paul McCartney and George Martin decided to combine multiple songs into a medley that would serve as the climactic finale to their career. The film's soundtrack takes a similar approach for the end of Side B. The medley starts with Polythene Pam and goes right into She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, but that's where they change it up.
Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans For nobody Doesn't have Nowhere Man is the only song on the soundtrack from the Beatles' 1965 album Rubber Soul, a gold-selling single that peaked at number three. Then, straying from the original medley again, the soundtrack's medley closes out side B the only way that it could. Making all his nowhere plans for nobody. And that's only sides A and B. In total, the two-disc soundtrack featured 28 different Beatles covers by the likes of Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, and even George Burns. But that is for another time. And that other time is this coming Thursday, April 16th. And one last thing before I wrap up, a big thank you to listener Lee Bruns, who sent me a copy of this album on vinyl. So thank you, Lee. I'll see you all on Thursday for part two of the Sgt. Pepper soundtrack. Play that drum fill. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.